Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking Eastas? What's happening? What the fuck, Tuckians? Everybody, how's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. As we slog through the muddle, I'm pretty excited about the show today because um, it represents a time in music that, unfortunately, I was too much of a, I don't know if I was a square but it was not pumping into where I grew up. Uh, my guest today, I, I, there's actually uh, two separate sets of guests. So that's exciting. Today on the show, I'm going to talk to Andre Royo. He's an actor, but he was Bubbles on the Wire. But this new movie uh, seems pretty great. He's in this new film called Hunter Gatherer. He lives not far from me. I always love seeing him. He's a great guy. He's a great actor. Uh, he's he's going to be here for a few minutes to talk about this new film. And then uh, we have Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain. Now, I've talked about this before, but Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain put together one of the greatest books ever. Please Kill Me, The Uncensored Oral History of Punk Rock. And I, I was excited to talk to them because that book changed my life probably in a bigger way than than most books a couple of books the denial of death by ernest becker what i was going to say at the beginning is i missed punk rock somehow in a way i remember buying the first sex pistols album in new jersey while i was staying at my grandmother's when it came out in the united states i didn't know what it was i'd seen pictures of johnny rotten in the music magazines i was reading but i was 13 years old or so punk had not grabbed had not grabbed the culture quite and uh, I was around the age that it should have grabbed me but I kind of missed it by a few years to when it really took hold but I had the record I still have the record I like the record but I didn't understand what it represented and then I didn't I didn't quite lock into it it was around a little bit towards the end of high school and then when I went to college my first uh, real girlfriend had the side of her head shaved and that was pretty punk rock but I kind of pushed back against it because I was such an old-timey motherfucker with my music tastes and it was this book, Please Kill Me, the book that, uh, that I have the authors on today, and that moved me through everything, that changed the entire landscape of my musical understanding and, and, and also just blew my mind with a bunch of new bands about 10 years too late or more, but it was fucking great. 
I mean, I, I was lucky enough to get into the Velvet Underground in college because uh, one of the guys that lived in the house before me, Bob Gaffney, left his brother's records there, and Live in 69 was one of them. So I had that as a as sort of a foundation. But Please Kill Me moved me through all of it, through the entire New York punk scene by way of the MC5, the Velvet Underground, Iggy and the Stooges, and on through the Ramones and everything that happened down there, the New York Dolls, uh, y- y- Talking Heads, Tom Verlaine, uh, Johnny Thunders. Uh, all, it, just, it just moved me through all of it. And if you get these books and you listen to the music, which is so fucking easy to do, so you can experience it while you're reading about that. I do it with jazz. I do it with whatever music I'm reading about. It just opened up my brain entirely. Like just under the wire, because who knows how old you get before your brain just closes up. But this punk rock shit from back in the day, and that you know they lived a life. But you know it was like even New York, New York City in the early seventies was this you know almost like a bombed out mess, and you know just sort of where it sprouted out of. You know Patti Smith, Robert Maplethorpe as well. It just sort of grew like. Uh, like uh, you know, energized, loud fungus out of the Lower East Side there. And uh, those days are behind us, but the music exists. Yeah. Having Twitter off my phone has freed up some space, and time seems to function in its natural uh, unfolding as opposed to amped up with, with just a constant onslaught of uh, virtual garbage spinning, m- fragments of light here and there, me up and down, cortisol, uh, endorphins, uh, sadness, elation, anger, all of it happening in minutes over nothing. Felt good. I'm really, I'm really considering uh, taking it off my, uh, just my computer too, just life without it. I have friends who do it, and I, yeah, I used to think like, what the fuck are they doing? How do they live without it? I'll tell you how. They live in the fucking world. You know, yeah. What, what are you gonna get on there? As as time moves on, it's starting to become apparent that uh, the truth might not be revealed because it's just a goddamn big media muddle. Just an, a never-ending dodgeball game of bullshit. I'll be in Nashville this Saturday at the James K. Polk Theater. You can go to WTFPod.com for information on that and some tickets. I think there's a few left. I'm looking forward to that. I have friends down there. You can see Nate Bargetzi. Maybe I'll see Margot Price. Maybe hang out a little bit. Hopefully the show will be nice. Maybe I'll be able to, to just jam some hot chicken into my dumb face burn my face and my mouth and then get on an airplane and have that experience. See, that actually came into consideration for me. I was like, uh, well, am I going to have time to get hot chicken? I'm only there for one night. And if I do get hot chicken, am I willing to pay the price for that on a fucking airplane? I, th- I think we know what I'm talking about. So right now, I want to talk to my friend Andre Royo, uh, great guy, great actor, his new independent film called Hunter Gatherer, which is now playing in New York and Los Angeles. This is me and uh... Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare 
something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Andre. So, so what happened? You were going to be my neighbor? And then it, I found, I got the, again, reality hit. I, yeah. saw the, I saw the beautiful house. I was excited. I looked at it. You know, we knew the asking price and yeah. all that. And I'm like this. Yeah, I, I'm on a couple of shows. Mm-hmm. I should be able to. And yeah. then the reality hit. No. Nope. <laughs> then somebody sat me down like this. You remember the last time you did moves like this? Yeah. You were, you wanted to, you were broke. <laughs> don't do it again. Like, don't, don't get it started. Don't get it twisted. You, right now, you have a renter. That's yeah, yeah, what, yeah. That's what you are. Accept it. Yeah. So I, I couldn't do it, but it was such. It's such a beautiful place. It was all right. It was, you know, it was a nice location. Would need a little work. It needed work, but the space. Yeah, like you saw the, uh, you know, like everything else, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of opportunity that you can really a little yeah, party yeah. house, a little cool house, yeah, yeah. a little chill. Like it right. had all the amenities. Yeah, of being in anything you wanted it to be. Right, right. But yeah. it couldn't be yours because you can't afford it. That's <laughs> so, right. So, so this. Uh, when was the last time you were back in New York? Oh, the last time I was back in New York. Was for uh, the uh, the movie uh, you know that's coming out uh, November sixteenth, Hunter Gatherer. Hunter Gatherer. Hunter Gatherer was in a a, a festival called uh, the Rooftop Series uh-huh. in Brooklyn. Uh huh. And I went I went down there for that and had it, it go over. It was great. It, yeah. it was great. First of all, to be back home. Yeah. You know, the prodigal son has returned. Yeah, yeah. With a little indie film. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like <laughs> I always want to come back home like this. Yeah. I'm come back and here are my, here's yeah. my, you know. You're hoping to come back. Here's my the, kill. Here's my. The, yeah. A Superman's outfit. Yeah, you know, like yeah. a, you know, a superhero a super, outfit. A superhero. The big or take. A, a, Everybody a zomb- knows me. Yes. A zombie apocalyptic and I'm the savior. <laughs> but I got a little indie film. We start off with that. <laughs> and I have to go down and go into that whole concept of, you know me, I, I'm about the craft. Mm-hmm. I'm about the artistry. <laughs> I never give up my indie spirit love. It's the, you know until they go. Could you sign here? This yeah, is you, you can. You want that house? Yeah, you yeah, get a bigger yeah. one. Can't do, it. Yeah, can't do it. But yeah. can I? Can I? Can I bring my craft to this can shit? Yes, yeah, no, yeah, like this. No, yes, you can. The, of course you can. You bring it right to the Airbnb. That's what you gotta go. Take that craft and that 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 artistry to the Airbnb. But that's the funny thing about those kind of decisions where you don't know how the hell a movie's going to come out when no. you get into it. You no. don't know. You know, you're no. you're all acting on good faith. I that's don't know right. who the director was. How did you get the movie? How did it happen? Uh, um, a, a friend of mine, uh, Julia Kim, casting mm-hmm. director, we kind of met, you know, hung out a little bit and found out that we, we kind of like the same kind of quirky films here and there. And she said, uh, you know, I got this script that I, I might be in casting. And it's weird. It's a weird type of, you know, it's, it, it, has this, it has the archetype of a movie that we've seen before, you know, man gets out of jail and tries to, you know, fix his life. Like Straight Time. Like Straight Time or, or Scarecrow uh-huh. or Strojack, I mean, you know, and it just feels like it's the norm and I'm like, all right, let me read it. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm reading it and I'm like, this tone is different. It has a little surreal, simplistic, like, honesty about this film that I kind of dig. Uh-huh. And you want me to, be, I might have a chance to be the lead, carry a film. Mm-hmm. I said, let me, let me, let me meet the director and just talk about it. Let's chop it up and see if I can trust him and he can trust me. Yeah. And then a six nine, tall blonde haired white boy walks up and I'm like this. You gotta be kidding me! Come on, <laughs> what 
What do Come you on. know? Yo, get out the are you you're the bodyguard? You must be the bodyguard. Where's the little where's the little man? Where's the little brother at behind you? <laughs> yeah, where's the little black dude yeah. that wrote this? Yeah, and he sat down and it, it, he was really like, you know, yeah. a cool dude. And I was like, all right. Let's let's uh, see. You wanna you wanna do this? You, can you trust that I can do this type of role and not have people go, oh my god, look, it's bubbles. Yeah, you know which I love, but you know, you want to be able to craft another character, right? Right. And he was worried about that too. He's like, yeah, you know, because guys, you know, he's he's down on his luck, blah blah blah. I don't want people to go, oh wow, you know, for my first movie, I got bubbles to play bubbles. Yeah, that's not a, that's but not. But is a this lead. guy a drug addict? No, he's not at all. But you know. I think in the, in the original script, there was like, you know, pushing a wagon or homeless, blah, blah, blah. And oh, yeah. Right. I was like, you know. A little close. A little close. And Just he said can, that. Can I do it without a hat? Okay, yeah, please. You know, can, <laughs> there, can there be no drugs? None. I don't want to even have a cigarette in my hand. Nothing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it was fun. It was fun to really sit down. And I think the difference between an independent film and a blockbuster is that, you know, I think the expectations of everybody on the set is automatically in an indie film. They all like this. Look, let might not go. We're just doing this because we love to do it, and it it'd be great if it goes, you know, to the upper echelons of the bigness. Yeah, but it can't really. It's a little indie film, and so we're okay with that. Everybody here okay with that? Then you know, it'd it be in a festival here and there, and then disappear. Is everybody okay with that? Right. And it, we all kind of go like this. Well, we're doing it for the for the love, right? <laughs> like, right, right. We're doing it for the craft. Yeah, but right? we're, we're also doing it for maybe, maybe. maybe I mean, it's a maybe, hope, maybe. Yeah. But but, but that, we don't need it. Yeah, yeah. No. We're artists. Yeah, that's right. Of course, yeah. we don't need we it. We don't need it. But but yeah. <laughs> but when you do a blockbuster, you're like this. This is gonna go big, right? Like this is gonna be the one that changed my life. And, and when that fails, you go, what happened? Yeah, because everybody had different expectations of the movie. Sure, I'm, I'm yeah. feeling that now in, on a country level. So yes, yes. <laughs> but 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 the thing is, is that. With that, with the smaller crew, with the indie film, yeah. and without the the stakes of a blockbuster, that's right. That you know there is a, a unity to that, and there that's is that right. feeling of whether it's love or not, you are all working together. We're all working you, together. We're all under, creating together. That's right. You yeah. understand the limitations of the situation. That's right. Eighteen, so we, 18 days and countdown. That's right. We can't shoot at the airport. We got to do it in the living room. Yes, and you we, feel good, and you feel good because somebody's <laughs> in the back of my going, <laughs> and you feel like all the creative juices are flowing at the same time. Yeah. This is art. This yeah, is what yeah. it's about. Craft services might be a little disappointing, but that's all right. But as long as you let me know, I always tell. I always I always tell every you know person that comes at me with like a, you know an indie film. They want to know if I'm in, interested in doing it. Will I do it? Which is always that wonderful question. Like, I mean, I don't know. Would you do this? As long as you let me know. If I'm going to eat the same pizza every day. Just let me know up front. Yeah, yeah. Just say, look, yeah. my mom is cooking. Right, right. <laughs> and when that doesn't work, I got to deal with the pizza shop. I'm I'm okay with that. Instead, if I got an idea that yeah. it's going to be a craft service, yeah, yeah, and it's not, yeah. I'm a little salty. That, <laughs> I'm a little bit like this. Yeah, we, is, is this the same pizza though? Did you yeah, reheat yeah, the pizza? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man, don't we heat the pizza, man? That's, that's the only thing in the contract, Ryder. Can we mix it up on the on the craft services? Not yeah. two day old pizza. No, not two day. One day is good. Yeah, the day yeah, after yeah. is always good. But that next day, no, it's a little hard. Done. <laughs> so wait, now the guy who directed it wrote it. Yes. What's his name? Josh Losey. And this is his what third film? This is his first first big film. First Don't know, film. What first film ever? Never did did anything. Not a short. Not, you didn't look not, at anything on not, YouTube. Not, not near one. Not near a one. Never wrote a movie before. No, nope, not that I know. Nope. This is his first joint. His first joint that he was working on, and 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 that I you know that's what I guess was the instant connection of you know this guy to us. He's like, this is my first movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. I yeah, you know I I don't know why I wrote this story, but it spoke to me and blah blah blah. And you know he was really you know passionate about it. And then when I sat down with him, and I'm like, look, man. I'm looking at my, you know, 
my career. I don't I don't get to to carry a film right that often. Right. You know what I mean. So, yeah, no, it's exciting. Yeah. Like, it's, so if it, you trust me with your baby, right, and I trust you that you can execute, yeah. and you won't leave me out there in in the wind, right, with you know your choices. Yeah. You want, in yeah. fact, the only thing I could ask steer the ship, steer the ship. Could you see indie directors, you know, with them eighteen <laughs> days and the money's run out and all your extras left because you know they didn't like the cold weather yeah. or that pizza? Yeah, you see indie directors start to break down. They buckle. They buckle. They go, oh my god, I can't do this. Oh my god, I can't do it. And I'm like. That's the worst. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you don't break down, I won't. I won't fax it in. I yeah, won't yeah. be like this. No one's going to see this movie anyway. <laughs> right. So right. it really doesn't matter. If yeah, I'm yeah, in yeah. It. You know. Fuck it. I just want uh, this shoot know, to be over. You know, let me just do the line over the over the shoulder. I'll just do the line. <laughs> you know. So I I think again. You know, as long as he he had the stamina to believe in himself to trust that he can get it done, I was like, I'm here with you, and I will give you everything I got and. I will listen to you. <laughs> like, yeah, I, and yeah. you know what? You I can, might listen you, to you. You can direct me. You can come and say, I don't feel it. I don't like it. I need a different, give me a different choice. But that's the amazing thing that, you know, he's doing his first movie. You're doing your first lead in a movie. Yes. So there's a vulnerability there. That's there's right. There's a trust that has to happen. It has to happen, yes. And uh, it's exciting, you it know. And, and and then, like, the weird thing is, in my experience, just being an actor on a, on a, on a show that, that I, where I'm not being me. Is that uh, you know if, you know first the first bit you're like oh shit am yeah. I gonna be able to do this like, and then about halfway through you're like oh yeah oh. this isn't as hard as I thought this isn't hard. and then oh, you're almost done you're like I'm about ready for this to be <laughs> over yo this long no. this is, why did I do why did I, I mean, that's when you know it's really it's really testing you and you and, yeah. and you're proud of yourself that you still allow yourself to be challenged like, yeah you still put yourself in these situations yeah. where you know the third day you're gonna be like. I didn't have to do this. Like yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I could be. I could be watching the game. They shoot. We shoot on. Why we shoot on Saturday? Oh, we have to shoot on Saturday. Okay. And that's yeah. a, that's an interesting t- thing too. That you know, it, you're a lead, so I don't know the situation. Is that a lot of times when you're an actor, you know, like you, you're going to get all this coverage. You're going to do that scene, you know, ten times yeah. from every angle. Yeah. And a lot of times, like you know, the ninth time when the coverage isn't even on you, that's when you finally nail it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what, that was uh, uh, living in oblivion. You uh, know, that the, the whole concept. Steve was saying, right. like, you do all your good work off camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> off camera, you're fantastic. Can you cut that? Can you put it in the camera on the camera? Because you finally got it. You're yeah. Like, but, that was the last shot. You're like, I just, I just, I just nailed it. it. I just. just, just found, so that happens to you too. All the time. All the time. <laughs> Oh, that, or somebody else's coverage. Yeah, that was it. Or somebody else. Oh, yeah, when well, we were over your shoulder. Yeah, on somebody else, I deliver that line like like Perfect. a master. Like wow. <laughs> so I get what that I get what that line really means now. Not what I wanted it to mean, but what it organically means. Right. Because exactly. You, you sitting there go like this. It'd be cool if I say this line like this. Right. You make choices. You make but choices. But you don't necessarily feel it. Yes, because you make choices. You know, as an outsider. Yeah. Uh, looking in at yourself yeah. directing you direct yeah. yourself yeah. And you make those choices and once you get past that bull crap you go you know what let me start directing myself and trusting what this scene is about but it takes a moment but yeah because it doesn't happen right away yeah. you, you, because you're, you're hoping the choices will carry you and, right. and, and, and they can Yes, but there are those moments where you're like oh I finally get what the fuck I, is I, happening here because I, I can read a script and, and, and then by the time it's broken into scenes and it's shot out of order I don't know what the fuck is happening That's right. I gotta refresh myself on what's happening and everything else and you do all this other work but ultimately and this is what I was getting gonna get to was that you know, you as an actor, you as a person, you as a creative person, you know, you bring a lot to it, but the story's on the page. Yes. And and at some point, you got to trust that. Yes. And, and, I, and, and people look at you and go, and when they see you work and they see they see how it looks so effortless, yeah. they don't know the whole behind the scenes thing, they think then that's what you do automatically. Mm-mm. They think you don't do all the 
rebuilding and fixing right. the time. They think, oh, he comes in and he sees it. He sees it on the page. Yeah. That's what I love about this actor. Yeah, he yeah, sees it on the page. Right, yeah. No. no. We were behind closed doors, we tried everything under the sun, and then when we're fully exhausted, we'll read it right before we go to bed go, well, that's what this scene's about. Yeah. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Shit. I let me, let me try to remember that when I get on set. <laughs> let me try to remember that, you know. And I I hope it, I hope I fooled them. Yes, that's I hope right. that the story was strong enough in that scene that uh, they don't know that I didn't know what I the know fuck what was, was going on. happening. Who's the editor? I mean, let me know. That should be your best friend. The editor is your best friend. And that's, that's the other thing about where people watching a, uh, like a three-minute scene, and they're mm-hmm. like, that was smooth. They don't realize that. That took us nine, oh, 19 hours. 19 hours. of uh, An independent film, uh, any film, all you Mm-hmm. You know, complaining, yeah. you know, second guessing, looking at the looking at the makeup artist, like, did I do good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody tell me. Somebody, I don't yeah. want to ask the director because right. I'm supposed to know. That's right. Somebody tell me, yeah, did yeah, I do yeah, good, yeah, please? Yeah. The second yeah. AD, you're like, that was all right. I was all right. Was good. Was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved it, man. No, I felt it. Okay, thank you. No, ser- you. Seriously, don't yeah, be honest with me. Don't yeah. yeah. no, no lie. <laughs> <laughs> no lie to me, man. What, what is this? What, what's the character's name? Uh, Ashley. Ashley Douglas. Uh huh. A good dude. You know, I. I I put them together like again in my process now. Uh-huh. You know the director, me and the director were talking about this tone, and yeah. it just felt a little you know offbeat. And you know I said you know how you- why is it offbeat? Well, you know we again it's offbeat in the idea of perception and how as a black actor I, I have to still say that. And yeah, I'm probably gonna say it more now. But as a black actor, I've I I, I take a, a a certain sensibility of how we're seen on screen by watching a lot of movies and watching a lot of TV shows yeah. and seeing what surrounds us. And yeah. now I read a script where there's no cursing, there's no drugs, yeah. there's no violence. And I'm like this, well, that's different. And it shouldn't be, but I'm like, wow, that's different. There's, no, there's nothing in here that hits me in the face with, you're a black, you're a black lead. Right. And you're not going to curse. You're not gonna, there's no drugs. There's no violence. Ooh. Yeah. You, f- you feel weird. Right. And you go, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. yeah Will man. people get this? Will people even want to get this do people know how to get this yeah right like yeah and so it, and i asked him i said yo so like what you know where'd you get this tone from it was very you know it's got these little mystical the music everything about it is just a little surreal a mm-hmm. little offbeat and he told me to read a book called confederacy of dunces yeah sure and i read that but, first yeah, time reading it tool yeah yeah and i read this and i love the lead character yeah ignatius it was something about the way he was just braggadocious and, and just like wanted to be liked wanted to have a connection and it was like come on you gotta like me because you made me believe you liked me so you should yeah keep liking me yeah and then i thought about kanye west and how kanye west you know kanye west says some stuff yeah and most of the stuff that he says makes sense yeah we just don't like Who's who's saying it? Yeah, yeah. The way he says it, we're like, this. Yeah. I'm like, we're not gonna tell you you're smart. Just shut up. Yeah, yeah. And just shut up. But yeah. Then later on, they go. Well, I mean, it makes, I wish somebody else said it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if somebody else said it. I, you know, Wait, I wouldn't have had this reaction. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Ashley Douglas, you know, he has a you know an idea of how you know he was perceived. You know, like going back to your high school reunion, and you go, you know, before you go, you're like everybody loved me. I was, the, I was yo, I was the funniest guy on the planet and then when you go to school and you bump into some people at the back you know later on they go, you were kind of an asshole right you know you was kind of you know you was annoying obnoxious and you're like yeah. you kind of caught up like what do you mean yeah like, why are you being so mean man? right how you go and then you get mad how it's your fault you you made me believe that you liked me yeah that's not my fault yeah now you know so yeah. Ashley has a, a problem Ashley's uh-huh. coming out of jail and saying what, he, what was he in the cam for uh, it's, it's not revealed in the script. I have my backstory, mm-hmm. but it's not revealed in the script. And I think you know the, the director's choice that he didn't he didn't want people to define this character by, a, you know, a, a, a specific past. Like, oh, right. he's a, oh, he's a convict. 
like to so, hang that so on. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. So hang him on enough. Convict's enough. We know why he makes his choices. You know, and right? So you know, we, we don't we don't reveal that, and we keep it very That's interesting. Yeah, we keep it very, you know, very oblique. Is that the right word? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, but we just keep it. You know, we, the audience because knows. if it was drugs or if it was he was a killer, you start or building, a rapist, yeah, and you, then all of a sudden, you know, that, that you have an idea what the character is, right? You've already put like, and that's not what it's about. It's about not. a guy trying to reintegrate himself, reintegrate, find himself, and and and, and, and just try to you know get the life that he had before he left and well it sounds like you know that you know however humbling prison is it was for the character which is obviously going to be somewhat yeah that you know the options getting out were well i'm just gonna go back to being this this big guy or whatever i thought i was before that's right and then life humbles him that's right exactly mm-hmm. you've been through this before huh? <laughs> we speak of experience I see yes that's a, you know that's exactly the, right you will be humble <laughs> yes you will be there's no way around it absolutely and, unless you get out early unless you get out <laughs> or just move somewhere else see if you go somewhere else you can create yeah, this, yeah, you know, yeah. and then you gotta keep moving you gotta keep moving and your character <laughs> stays the same and you, you have a new set of friends uh-huh. and yeah. who are the other actors you work with anything exciting there well we we have this uh, guy George Sample the third mm-hmm. new actor mm-hmm. uh, I think this is his uh, second movie found him in Sundance he did a movie called Croners and he was you know fresh out of St. Louis um and he's a you know a first timer, and you know it was so humbling to sit there in, in a table read, and he was like you know, you know last week I was just hanging out in Seven Eleven, and now I'm working with the great Andre Royal. Oh yeah, come on, I'm just like this. I can't let him down. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know all my lines. I gotta hit every mark. Uh, now I gotta teach. You know, I gotta, no, not even teach, but I just gotta be perfect. Yeah, like, I, gotta, I gotta be perfect. You gotta be the great Andre Royal. I gotta Royal. be the great Andre Royal. <laughs> you know? and, and 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 then all of a sudden yeah. you learn a lot because you see you know yeah. a young person. Their glee and they and they're making choices. And you're like, wow, this he's finding things. You remember when it was like when you found things? Yeah, yeah. When you yeah. just was like, oh my god, this is a good choice. And we kind of just worked well off each other. And then there was another woman, Calais Stewart, uh-huh. a comedic actor who did a lot of things um, on TBS. And uh, you know, she's like the, the. I think she just sold the show where she talks about her life in the, as an actor. Where she's always the the black female friend. <laughs> like, uh-huh, yeah. And and she was just cool and and she also said to me, you know, it was just weird. Like I don't know, I found a lot of gray hairs after the first day of meeting everybody cuz they made me feel old. Oh yeah. Cuz she was just like, you know, I first met you or saw you running around in the Acapulco Black Film Festival back in the day and your energy, I was like, wow, this guy, he's going to make it. And then if he can make it, hey, I can make uh, it too. So now I'm working with you and my manager and agent said the only reason they brought me the script because there's no money down script yeah. is because Andre Royal's on it. Oh, no shit. And I'm like this. Oh, my God. The weight of everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to act and nah, live up oh, to these no, young man. people's I mean, expectations. It was, it, was, it was awesome. They held me accountable and then I held them accountable like, don't fuck up the great Andre Royal. <laughs> yeah. Leading role. No, no, no. Hope you said that. <laughs> well, you know, I implied it. Yeah, yeah. It's subtext. It's subtext. It's subtext. But it, it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful and I, I think it's on the screen. I hope everybody goes out and... And, and 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 understands the um, the the simplicity, the humanity that I I I I found that people say I bring to every character where you know they just seem real. Yeah. And you know we I think we have a, a it's one of those comedies where you just you kind of awkwardly laugh at the idea that this is how people act in uh-huh. real life. Uh huh. Like this is like you know this is what you know the internet blew up on when you just caught people in news conference talking and when you hear them talking you go. That's a, that's a real person. What was your feeling when you when you watched it? Were you like, all right? Uh, when I watched it, I, I I told the director, you know, the same thing from when I read the script to watching it. 
I said, you know what? Every once in a while, you know, I, I'm involved in a project that makes me a better artist, that makes me feel like a better person because I make decisions on doing something, yeah. not because I think or want or hope, but just because I liked it. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and my best compliment uh, today, you know, it went by, it, it premiered in South by Southwest, and I won Best Actor, and all this, you know, people were going like, oh, I, I really, it was so different. It was so unique. It was so weird. There was stuff that you don't hear that much in yeah. acting no more. You don't hear unique. It was weird. I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know what I was watching, and all of a sudden I didn't know why, but I liked it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of it. Feels you know, it's refreshing. Yeah. And when my manager came to me, you know, and was like this. Okay, you know what? You were right. And I love that. <laughs> like, she was, but they were waiting for this to be bad. Did you know? she, she was fighting on you? Yeah, fighting all day. Oh, I'm yeah. going to make sure I make I get you to book something that you can never do this movie. It was like that kind of energy because they were just scared. They were just like, we don't get it. I don't get the movie. It just seems strange. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. That's why I like it. Yeah. And I want to tell I'm doing, you know, and it, it worked out. I don't know if last time we talked about, you know, how it came to pass, but, you know, I'm in the middle of casting for this movie. Like, I'm, I'm reading with other actors to see who's playing the part. We're about to shoot next month. Everything is going well. I'm kind of excited. And then my manager calls and is like, oh, Empire. Empire's called. Right. They, they got a role for you. You got to leave like tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I got, I'm, I'm in the middle of casting. No, I told you. I told you. I got, you can't say no to Empire. Empire's too big. Uh-huh. I'm like, I know it's a big show, but I don't know. Well, Danny Strong is calling you. Pick up the phone. You know, co- creator. Yeah. Remember. So he calls me, and he's like, hey, you know, how you doing? Look, I, I know you might have heard this is a, a four-episode arc, but no, we want you for the long run. Like, if it works out, we love you, and we know, we've seen your work before. Yeah. You know, we love you to come on board. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, no, listen, I get it. You're a big show. I love this show. You know, I, I love the impact that it has. I'm doing this indie film. Yeah. And he's like this. <laughs> indie. Okay. Hey, how about this? You do, you... When you doing this, when you want to shoot the movie? I said it's an eighteen day shoot. Want to shoot next month? Okay, that's not gonna work. But here's what I can do: you come start working the Empire. I'll take two episodes. They'll give you two episodes off, and then you can go shoot the movie. All you gotta do is have those people wait for you. And I never heard that. And an actor at that at my level, okay, <laughs> the great Andre Royal, never heard that before. Like, you want me to go up and tell these guys that are making this movie to wait for me? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that's not. Uh, uh, you know what? But I got this guy saying on Empire, he'll give me two episodes off to go do it. You know, I was like, okay. So he gets it. He gets that, you know, I, I might love this indie, but I also need that money and love, you know, Empire. Yeah, but they want you. But they want me. Yeah. And they're willing to go. It won't want you bad enough. They will do you a favor. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you go do your yeah. indie film. Yeah. So I go up to the producers and the director and they're casting like, you know, Jay, hey, we got another guy coming in. I'm like, look, um, remember when I told you, oh, you know, my man yeah. is going to make sure <laughs> I, I get a job that won't allow me to do this movie. They just called me for Empire, blah, blah, Do you mind waiting like two more months? And we shoot in a couple of months. And the room was silent. The director, Josh, was like, oh, oh you know, you see his face. <laughs> All of a sudden, that 6 9 white boy started to look mean. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and he was like, you know, he was like, well, you know, you're doing Empire. That's a lot of, you know, it's going to be a lot of eyes on you. Yeah. And this is an indie film. Oh, thinking ahead. The business, baby. Yeah. The business, baby. Show business. And then he, and he was like this, you know what? Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait. And it, it took a hit. Like they lost the whole chunk of like the, you know, the grip. Oh, the, everything was all ready the crew. To go. They, yeah. they left, and we had to rehire new people. Yeah. But they waited, 
And that's the, that was like the first time in my career I had somebody bending, you know, doing me a favor yeah. on network and a uh, movie uh, movie house going, yeah, we'll wait. Yeah, you're 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 learning the business. I'm learning the business. I'm, go- I'm moving on up. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was all around for mentally and spiritually and artistically, it was a a growth. Mm-hmm. And I you, you can only hope that you keep growing and you keep involving yourself and challenging yourself in new projects that make you grow. Absolutely. Because you don't want to get bored. No, no. You don't want to get bored or complacent or, or feel like you, you know, you're hiding. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm too into I'm, I, I'm not worth anything. No, no, yeah. Come on. Let's do, wait, the, the checklist. The checklist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on season 19. We do season 19. Yeah, why not? One more. One, one more. I'll do that passion project next, <laughs> next year. So how did Empire go? Empire's fun. It's going, it's going well. It was, you know, at the time, the time that I came on, you know, second season, there was a lot of guest stars. The, you know, the energy of the, you know, expectation because the first season it was a monster. Yeah. So you could feel, you could feel like the second season, everybody wanted to, you know, hit the same way. So you could feel it was a little tension on set, but the actors, Taraji and Terrence, the young kids, they were so fun. That they were like that tension. That's those, yeah. that's some that's somebody else's problem. Yeah. We just in the playground. We just yeah. play, and we just played, and, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been oh, a good. lot of fun, and and, and the uh, what do you call it? The feedback from my character is dope. I'm oh, having yeah? a good time. Yeah, and you know, now you know I go somewhere like I, I was doing something for the school, and like all the kids run out. Oh, that's thirsty from Empire, but all the teachers come out. That's bubbles. bubbles. What are you talking about? <laughs> and they they don't know. Ooh. They don't know. Yeah, thirsty. Who's bubbles? Yeah, yeah, and I'm just sitting like this. Wow, this is oh. kind of cool. Well, I'm going to my trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. thank God. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, God. yeah. It's yeah. sort of like you, now your your bubbles and something and else. something else <laughs> for for you know bubbles will stay in my heart forever, wire yeah. for life, but. Yeah. I, I I want you know you yeah. want people to know but that yeah but thirsty can live there too. thirsty can live there too. we have so many personalities in our in our bodies that yes I got a couple more characters in my body that I hope can come out well it's great man and yeah. I, I wish I wish you the best of success with the movie it's always good to see it you too man thank you and keep you know keep your eye out for a couple of houses in the I'm, neighborhood I'm looking. Yes. I'm looking. I'll, I'll make sure to stack them checks. If, if I if I if I get if I go too crazy, you might buy this one. Oh, well, you know, just give me a give me a discount. Maybe just give me a discount. All right, good man. Well, good to see you. You too, my man. Take care. Love that guy. Movie sounds great. It, it sounds uh, interesting, but it's always good to talk to him. He's a real actor and a, definitely a, a real dude. Sweet guy. Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain. Uh, this is a little chaotic interview, but Legs is a an old crank, cranky punk rock bastard, and Jillian's a, a little more level-headed. But their book, Please Kill Me, was just re-released in a special 20th anniversary edition. You can get it now wherever you get books. All right, so this is me and them talking about rock and roll, punk rock, pretty specifically. <laughs> I know I had a copy of Please Kill Me, but I've I've had like four. Don't and I give them, them away. No, yeah, you can't. You'll never see them. No, I know they're I like know. because the book. The reason I I didn't even know you guys are gonna be in town. I got you. You have your publicity. Whoever was in charge sent me something, and I'm like, I'd, I'd like to talk to them. Yeah. I because because the book like changed my life. But I imagine you hear that a lot. 
Do you yeah, hear that? We, we, yes, yeah, but do. I want to hear how it changed your, <laughs> your life. <laughs> I kind of missed the whole thing. You know, I missed that time. I was a little too young. So I, you know, whatever I got musically, you, you know, was already, because I graduated yeah. high school in 81. Right. So that wave was already yeah, crashing right. and it was all, and I was, you know, in the middle of New Mexico. So I had to have one guy. What the fuck were you doing in the middle of New Mexico? My parents settled there. They're from Jersey originally, and I, you know, somehow ended up, you know, growing up in Albuquerque. Yeah. But I had the one record store guy that turned me on to shit. Right. But I had no sense of that whole time. But I liked some of the people involved. So when I got it, I'm trying to remember what year it was. Just knowing about all of those people, and the more importantly, the evolution from psychedelics through Detroit to you know that the history, the history was was compelling to me and it all yeah, tied yeah, together yeah. and made sense yeah. so during the time i was reading it i was listening to all of it so i was able to listen to all these people in context and put uh-huh. them all together and also the book because it's an oral history humanized people that i i i, I was um that were my heroes for yeah. better or for worse oh, cool. yeah yeah, well, yeah that, that's what we hoped yeah. is it yeah. yeah that was the plan yeah well we had to show because danny fields was very early on to duncan hannah yeah he goes. He goes. What's Wayne Kramer like? What's right? Know, so he goes. They're assholes. <laughs> and, he, and he goes. But they're great. And he goes. Yeah, they're all great. But yeah. they're all assholes too. And that's kind of the. That's we took that as sure kind of, to show everyone as heroic as possible. Yeah, and also as disgusting as possible. Well, yeah, I've had you know I had Wayne in here. Yeah, I had Iggy yeah, in here. Yeah. Wayne's better now. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, yeah. you know he's a pop. Yeah, he I just know. became a dad, and he's so articulate too. Yeah, he's yeah, a sweet very, guy. Well, he's yeah. got you know he's got purpose in his yeah, life. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean mo- uh, mo- most dramatically, the one that took a fall for me was Lou Reed. Really, mm. that and also uh, Nico became this fucking person. Like it, it blew my mind in not just the music, but just in the sense of of realizing these people are people, and it's not that they're not good people, yeah, yeah. but they're just sort of like no, they're just fucking, yeah. she's yeah. just a pig. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, I don't know what I was thinking. These just a bunch of dirty drug addled fuck monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't Belmar? No, I know. Uh, I yeah. no, I know. But like, there's there's some weird cutoff in the brain when you want someone to be this rock god. Yeah, and into every and the, but it constantly it happens in here all the time when I talk to people. I mean, that's the best thing that can happen is you're like these are just people. Yeah, but you don't want to believe it. Some part of you doesn't. You you want the whatever the persona is. But a lot of times, they're if they're not monsters, they're just bores. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, that's, exactly. That's worse. Yes, exactly. I think so too. For an yeah. oral history, yeah. definitely. No, but, for life. No, but yeah, I think you're right. right. For yeah, life. life. Yeah. You you're know, like, oh, oh God. Like actors like it are tricky. Like yeah. some of them like have a you know a, a, a deep, you know, kind of personality, but a lot of them you want so much for them to be who they who yeah. they who they are acting as and they they're not. And you gotta forget that you we always forget that somebody wrote those lines for them, sure you know yeah they didn't just come yeah up actors are a little tricky but yeah. you can find them in there yeah. sometimes <laughs> but now when you guys what year did it come out so it's the 20th anniversary so that means it was 1996 so that was way after the fact yeah let's go back to the history a little bit legs you you're sort of a, a seminal figure yeah in sort punk of, rock yeah, yeah well because I named Punk Magazine, which named the movement. Yeah, well, how old were you? I was 19. So you were 19, running around New York. Where Did you grow up in New York? No, I grew up in Connecticut, which was the worst state in the Union. Sure, I, yeah, I, I understand Connecticut. nightmare. Yeah. What, what part of Connecticut? Cheshire. Cheshire, Connecticut. What's that where near? My, where my, actually, my good, it's near, it's a bedroom community, 
two towns north of New Haven. So what was happening? So so you you were nineteen and what nineteen in what what year? I just wanted to get out of Connecticut. Sure, any way possible. What year was it um, that we went to? We moved to New York. I moved to New York in seventy four. John Holmstrom had already moved there, and he was writing letters to me saying, "I'm going to be a millionaire before you." It was always very competitive. <laughs> From what I understand, New York in in that time was like devastated. Yes, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was that's, that's it the was, other word for it. It was, it was gorgeous. It yeah. was it was like Dresden after the firestorm. It really was. It, it right? Really, I mean, there were really like burnt out buildings. Just, I mean. It was like this giant movie set. See, White Flight had happened. Right. It had been happening through the 50s, and it was the very end of White Flight. Yeah. So everybody in New York who grew up there and moved had moved to the suburbs. Yeah. So downtown New York was like deserted. It was like this giant movie set. It yeah. It was so great. It was so much fun. And, and you guys, what, were you living for like a nickel? In a, yes, in a- yeah. I, I got paid... Um, in the beginning, I got paid thirty dollars a week at Punk Magazine, and that salary was cut to fifteen. Uh huh. <laughs> so I was living on fifteen dollars. I mean, we had to we had to take showers at Nancy Spungen's house. You know. That's, oh really? Yeah, yeah. She was actually. You know, everybody says. I mean, and Chloe Webb did a great job of her. Uh huh. And said Nancy, yeah. But you know, I like Nancy. Nancy was fine. You know. Well, well, who else was hanging around? So you were you were sort of defining this. You were not a musician, but you were seeing what was going on downtown. No, I, I never wanted to be a musician. I didn't want you know have to wait for my drummer to go, get, get go to the methadone clinic in the morning. No, I know <laughs> or I, I, die I, or carry those that equipment. You know that was they were always carrying these giant. Lazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm lazy. But, Plus, but, I have no musical ability whatsoever. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> but you. Tap- but I didn't want to carry anything. Yeah, but you tapped in somehow like you like when you got to new york was the plan to write about the music scene or or to to just holmstrom i wanted to make movies yeah you know i thought being a movie director i get laid faster yeah you know i thought the magazine was stupid i did john kept saying i want to do this magazine about rock and roll and because comics well what was out there that at that point was just cream and uh, crawdaddy yeah uh, like rock scene scene. right circus circus yeah so you guys were kind of going to go anti that. that. Those were rock and roll mags, and Cream was sort of the rock and roll mag, well, so you were going to fight that. They were writing about rock and roll in such intellectual terms. And really? It, yeah. Not he, Lester Banks. Yes, he was. He was pretty long. Yeah, he was, yeah, like, he it was, wasn't yeah. quite intellectual, but it was... I mean, it was like writing... I mean, he writes a 10,000-word review of raw power why don't you just fucking put on the record lester you know mm-hmm. well but he was yeah. but he defined a sort of rock yes. voice for criticism yeah he what did. was but, who, but like richard Meltzer was hilarious yeah richard, I, yeah, I, yeah. He, and he's a smarty pants. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but he what who, what band was he working with was it uh blue oyster cult Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The first time I met Richard, I said, "You don't look so tough," and he punched me right in the stomach. Did he really? Wow. Yeah. Damn. But at he was ocean, at the Ocean Club. But you came to New York later, right? Yeah, I came to New York in '87. So it was like that. It was. It was gone. gone. It was done. What was happening in '87? Was that like Fiorucci's and, and no? Like, Fiorucci was already done. It had, no, it had just closed down, much to my disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but what? Where did you come from? I came from New Brunswick, Canada. Wow. So I had older brothers and sisters who brought the records home. So you grew up with the records? Yeah, I was like in my Star Wars pajamas uh-huh. with the headphones on, <laughs> ignoring mom Ramones. and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what compelled you to go to New York? Because you, like he said, you you write poetry. That must be part of it. No, no? just the first time I went there, I was like, this is home. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like 10. You were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when you moved to the Lower East Side. You were uh, ten. No. See you later. 
<laughs> I, had a, I, I went to stay with my, my uncle, George, when I was 11, and I thought, I'm going to move here, too. Yeah. You know, you, you, just, you just hit it. Know. You just know. No, no, yeah. I felt that, you know, because yeah. my, my family was in Jersey, and when we'd go visit them, you know, I would take the bus in as a 14-year-old, right, in 19... Well, it's 77. Cool. And I would just yeah. walk around oh, Times wasn't Square. It wasn't it glorious? Yeah, yeah. it was. Because you'd yeah. go to like look at all the music stores. That was my thing. I'd go look at guitars. Then I'd go to Colony Records. And then I'd go down to the village to Bleaker Bob's. Right. But it, like for some reason, the punk thing was happening then. Yeah. But it didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't penetrate. It didn't yeah. catch me. I thought it was, I don't know what it was. That was the other thing that as I'm talking to you that I realized that I got emotionally invested you know, in in the lives of these people that you guys talk to. I didn't know much about those guys. Like, I had the Dead Boys. I knew Blondie. I knew, you know, uh, the Ramones a bit. I knew the New York Dolls. I had those records. Again, they didn't, you know, register with me. But there was something about the Heartbreakers that just fucking killed me. It's like, you guys, you must be, you must have gone to a lot of funerals in the last decade. Mm, (laughs) There's been 42 people who've died. From the book? Yeah. Holy shit. Yep. Yep. Mostly of cancer. Surprised you'd think it would have been drugs, but it was it was mostly cancer, cancer. A few, uh, Hep C. Hep C. Oh, yeah, yeah. god, they missed yeah. the cure, yeah, because yeah. they got it, they handled yeah. that thing, yeah. They it took a while, but yeah. I know, I know cats yeah. with the hep and they got the cure, yeah, and it's sort of like, what, yeah, <laughs> cool, like years of sweaty yeah. and tired and dying, just boom, yeah. But what was your in New York when you got there? Because I know you write poetry. But did you already feel like you must be closer to to my age, probably? Yeah, I'm fifty. Yeah, I'm fifty two. Did you already feel like you you like it felt to me when I got to New York, even in the in the late eighties, which I guess would be is that when you went? Yeah. Right. So I got there the first time I was there was in eighty nine. That you wanted all that shit to be in place, and that was in the yeah, book, yeah. and it was really on its way out. Like there was still dope on yeah. the streets in '89, yeah. yeah. crack files, yeah. right? And I was on second between A and B, so oh, there was nice. heroin. Yeah. yeah, but that all started to go away, and whatever was left of these guys that yeah. you talked to, they were just kind of drooping around with their you know old leather pants, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and, yeah. and people going like, "That's the guy," I'm like, "That's the guy," <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like the 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 romance of it was sort of you know gone. Well, that's why we did the book when we did it because for me, yeah, it, it was evapor. You know, this whole scene that I had been involved in was really kind of wonderful and great, right? And and the challenge for us was, can we recreate it in just words, right? You know, that that really was. And the challenge. Well, what, who, what was it, whose idea was it to do an oral history? I mean, how, what was it based on? Well, Jillian and I were became friends through Maggie Estep. Oh, sad she yeah, died yeah, too. Yeah, I love her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know. So, and we were always talking about writing and doing stuff. Yeah. And Jillian and I really loved Edie, the Edie book. Yeah. Which yeah. Changed my life. life. Yeah. It changed mine too. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. And I was doing this book supposedly with Dieter Ramon he came to me and you know he want cash up front he, no he, he you know he would just go legs yeah. legs I gotta talk to you yeah legs you know the Didi voice yeah um and so that did but I started interviewing Danny Fields yeah which was just amazing it was like therapy because I was really depressed when I started the book yeah and I would have to go to Danny's and it was in this why month. were you depressed because the wave had crashed no and- I had I, yeah I had done this magazine that failed and I lost a lot of money going oh. through a divorce and oh, you yeah. know just a lot of midlife stuff well, well 
<laughs> also writing i had been working at spin yeah and, and it it had become like pornography okay madonna on the cover this month and, sure you know this you know yeah it's just you know just oh it's it's you know yeah endless yeah you know and it's like i wanted to fall in love with writing again yeah you know i wanted to get away from the business sure of it, yeah yeah know? yeah absolutely you know so jillian and i were in you know she was at saint mark's poetry project and she, oh, you were you were part of that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I worked there for years. Yeah, that's sort of another sort of nostalgic. <laughs> well, kind that of was mainstay. great because when I got to New York, it was, I mean, uh, the New York School of Poets were yeah. all alive. Um, you know, there was this rare bookstore we'd go hang out with Hunky and Corso. So I still got some dreams to come true. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so wild that the people that defined this whole trajectory historically. They're so fucking specific. Yeah. yeah. They were sort of available yes. for a, a, yeah, for a long a time. Yeah. 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 For a, yeah. And if then, you had and money then, to give Corso. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh, he was yeah. such a hustler. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Hunky, but Hunky was more elegant about it. Mm. Oh, they, they were always broke? Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh. It's so, like, because I had a romance about that, like those guys, the beats. And I when I grew up in Albuquerque, there was a cat who wanted to use bookstore. His name was Gus. He was real important in my life. And I remember there was a poster in there. I used to have it framed for it was like maybe the first or second year of the Naropa Institute and all of them were going like Burroughs was alive and Snyder or not maybe not Snyder but Corso and and yeah, all of them. Waldman Waldman yeah. yeah so there's a big list at Ginsburg they're all going to go for this conference yeah and I'm like you know I'm like 20 and I say to <laughs> Gus like I gotta get up there he's like what do you want to hang out with those geriatrics for <laughs> I never really thought about it like that no yeah it's just like a bunch of old cranky poets <laughs> But that's funny because I went to Naropa for a summer. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was so it? So much fun. It was? was? Yeah, it was Ginsburg, Burroughs, Ann Waldman, um, you know, lesser known, Alice Notley, Bernadette Mayer. Uh, it was just fun. Meeting those people, it's like meeting Jim Carroll. Oh, oh man. Yeah. So when when you when you we're we're talking about the beginning of the book so you're depressed yeah you're uh excited i was depressed you're depressed too? My, yeah my mom had just died and it was time to fold up the poetry project and needed something else to do and we were so new york i mean when you look back new york was still great right, yeah. compared to what, what it is now yeah. right but we were seeing it begin to change i mean i love when we're shocked because there's a barnes and noble opening it's like ah, right new york is changing and there was a gap on st mark's yeah yeah. Right oh, I remember when all that happened. Yeah. Where you're sort of like, yeah. wait, what? But I got great shirts there, I must yeah. say. Yeah. Sure, they had three yeah. t-shirts. It was pretty practical, yeah. nondescript shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, easy to shop there. Yeah, I know. It was cheap. But that was also when, like, Burroughs went on, was on Gap commercials. That yeah, was that really was weird, weird. when, when yeah. people were so easily co-opted. But yeah. but it also was, there, there was something about that, as much as you may have liked Bill, that there was something kind of like impenetrable about his image so it wasn't going to really make him no. look bad yeah. no no and you spent time with him a little legs more so i i used to go out to kansas for a week to basically see my friend james grauerholz who was yeah, his guy assistant, yeah you know and and we'd hang out with bill you know, I love that, like, you know, over time, like, I I, I somehow finally got a, a copy of that documentary, the Burroughs documentary, yeah, which I right, love. Yeah. And it was it was hard to find for a while. Maybe Criterion put it out or something. Yeah. But just that, you know, how you imagine those guys. And then just to, to yeah, see right. the dude that wrote Junkie and <laughs> yeah, Naked yeah, Lunch just sort of, you know, doddering around with cats. Like, yeah, right. this one's really nice. <laughs> I, I, I know. That's all he talked about with cats. <laughs> and yeah. feeding goldfish. Fish, yeah. Come here, little fishy, fishy, fishy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But he was like, and that's like when you realize that so many of these people that the life of the the mind and the the, the literary life 
is completely not necessarily the life they're living. No, 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 no. no. And it's a no. little bit disappointing sometimes, even with songwriters, you know, where you're like, this about you? Yeah, like, right. no, yeah, it's a right. right song. It made up a guy. Like, yeah, what the right. fuck? Okay, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i learned that lesson with nick lowe he was in here and he played the uh the beast in oh me. i love that yeah. right but i'm like this has got to be his life and he's like what a no but I, I, nick lowe is the coolest guy in the world he's a sweet guy too i i i was with him and elvis in there costello i said elvis costello yeah we were doing lines of cocaine the entire length of the pinball machine and you had to do the whole line or you'd yeah. be an asshole that's you right know, you yeah know. yeah yeah i had the worst hangover of many, many, many it bad probably, hangovers, and that was probably the worst. Two days later, you had yeah, it, right. when yes. he finally slept. Yeah, yeah. But you hated Coke. Yes, but I hated cocaine. That's I can't. why everyone says, <laughs> I hated Coke, but I did it. I loved it. Yeah. Me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it didn't, one, didn't last long enough. But. Yeah, but once it was gone, I, it wasn't like I was craving it. No, I was never one of those people yeah. too often where, you know, we got to go out and get, yeah. you know, where it's four in the morning and yeah. you finished an eight ball. And it's like, is the guy still up? Like, I was always sort of like, why? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah, I've listened exactly. to you talk That's, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else could you possibly have to say about nothing? I can't, I can't imagine Elvis Costello on blow because he was here on an espresso and I couldn't fucking keep up with him. <laughs> but, um, all right, so you, you decide that this is the way to do it. So what leads to the oral history well, concept? I, I, I was interviewing Danny Fields, right. and Jillian was reading the transcripts yeah. in the morning before she went to work. Yeah. And she always says with a yellow highlighter, I remember it was with a purple fucking highlighter. Yeah. And she would circle and you go, you got to put this in. You got All the stories that are in the book. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But they didn't fit in with the Ramones. Yeah, because I was the first... Idea. concept was to do a dd book and uh-huh. jillian kept saying it's much bigger than that and it's you know so i just said fuck it why don't you just do it with me yeah you know so that's how it came and about. you guys were friends were you romantically involved are you romantic what's going on for five for minutes, minutes. Oh, yeah. oh, and then you just sort as of like, danny says you have to get that out of the way <laughs> <laughs> good 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 you got it out of the way yes. obviously you're not crazy in the way that that would become a liability no no, no. good no, no. But, uh, all right, so that's how the oral history is born, but you still had to go out and, and track all these people down and talk to them. I mean, right? And this right? was pre-internet. Yeah. Right. Well, if you yeah. look at our yeah. day books from that, for this four-year period, yeah. we were doing interviews around the clock. And we had to adjust everybody's schedule. I remember, like, Penny Arcade was flying to Italy in the morning, so we started at midnight and went to, I mean, I was I was collapsing yeah. at the end of the interview. I mean, so we, we really did a lot it's funny though because like she's a good example of a uh, of someone that you know if you're not no one would necessarily know penny arcade and her place in that whole thing if you guys hadn't pulled a lot of these people out of the shadows i mean that was the, the the amazing thing about the book for me was that how how much of a community despite whatever they may have thought it was yeah. like just yeah. out of necessity yeah. And that punk rock and i learned this again from mike watt that like punk was not what the style of music that is now associated with punk became yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that it was just a bunch of very creative people doing whatever the fuck yeah they wanted, wanted to do to, right. you know busting it open yeah and in 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 and that it all happened in the wake of like i thought it was very again i'm i'm, I'm jumping all over the place that you Sorry. tracked that like in, in my recollection of the book that you were able to sort of do what um 
what Thomas Wolfe did. Is that his, is it Thomas Wolfe or Tom Wolfe? Tom, Tom Wolfe did with the the acid test in the, the meeting of you know the psychedelics of of California and the psychedelic community of New York. That there was a difference, and you guys were able to track through. Warhol into Lou Reed yeah. and then into if I'm remembering correctly like Bowie's first tour mm -hmm. and well, how that impacted the, the no you know what the connection is there what John Cale produces the first Stooges record and Nico moves into the fun house in, in, in Detroit and, yeah. and, and, get, and gives yeah. everyone VD yeah. that was yeah. the thing I was yeah. like Nico yeah. did that yeah. <laughs> I mean, like what the, how could that lady from the record <laughs> like it was one of those moments where like oh she was just full of VD and oh. fucked all the Stooges yeah. Nico's down <laughs> I'm marking no. her. She, she's down a notch. I don't think she, she fucked, fucked all this. No, she was just with Iggy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess who didn't fuck Iggy, right? I was with Howie Pyro the other night, and, and you know the, the the famous DJ, and he's in Degeneration. Yeah. He yeah. was in the Misfits and Danzig. And yeah. I said, oh, I took a cab with Nico once, and he said, I shot dope with her. And he's, he's always one upping me. <laughs> yeah, Howie, totally, Howie. Howie, Howie. Because yeah. Howie was on the scene at age fourteen. Yeah. 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 I just like to me, it's very odd, and I still can't you know wrap my brain around it because as much drugs as i did like i never like i wasn't part of the culture of shooting dope and it's either like was it, i i was just a drunk right you yeah, know? yeah i mean i, I smoked heroin i snorted it when it was good and yeah. like what was it in the late 80s when it was in new york where mm -hmm. they realized that they could open up a market of kids if they just made it really good and snortable and <laughs> yeah. it's sort of like I guess it's time to try it <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> finally a nice way that i can do it without blood um didn't like it. Didn't take, thank God. But you, you hate needles, right? Well, it's not that I hate them. It's just like I didn't want to develop that relationship. Yeah. It, it seems so sordid yeah. and so private and so weird. But the thing that, that and gets... And so medical. Medical, medical but know? like but like anything else like you figure it out if that's what you need yeah, yeah and and like i used to see needles all over the place in my neighborhood but like at the time of of the punk thing is like they, it must have just been like smoking in some level there were people that did it and they do it together yes. and they didn't mind watching other people do it and it's a it's a pretty horrible thing to watch yeah but it seemed like it was everywhere yeah. and it just leveled that whole fucking community richard hell was the first one who shot a dope in front of me and it was like it was like oh wait a minute and he pulled out a drawer and just, I was just like, oh, God, oh, you, yeah, gotta, do, oh, you yeah. gotta do this before you leave the house. This is the, well, they did. Yeah, I know. That's the I weird know. thing. And I like, know. I never, like, it, but I know that it must have been everywhere. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but it, it sort of leveled that whole fucking world, didn't it? Yeah. Most so, people got sober. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did. A lot As of people do get sober. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm real close with Jerry Stahl and like, he's been sober a long time. Yeah. yeah. And but like you know when you really think about that life that those guys lived, it's like holy fuck, that was crazy, man. Mm. So all right, so how do you track all these cats down in in what is it eighty seven? You wrote the book. I mean no no no, no. ninety one to we started yeah. yeah oh you got there in eighty seven. So like you did you have to sort of do the thing? Were you still in touch with everybody, or were you like I don't even know where that guy is? Yeah, I was actually. You know, and and people would help out. Oh, I have his number, and they'd give it to you, and you call them and. And you know, and out of those people, like who was your your greatest resource, really? I mean, who 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 was the thread? Danny, Danny, Danny Fields. Fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And know, he was what? He was a producer, right? No, he was the he was he was the editor of Sixteen magazine. He worked for the record company. He for the signed, record company. He's he an signed, AR guy. Yeah, he right. signed the Stooges and the MC Five on the same. Was day. he involved with Jim Morris? Was he? Old yes, school? he was the pub. He was the first publicist for the Doors. That's right. Okay. I mean, Danny has had the most remarkable career sure. in the history of careers. Yeah, he's like the 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 dark Zelig of yes, modern exactly. rock. Exactly. He yeah. got he got Nico album deals after she left the uh, Velvet Underground. Right. I mean, Danny has been so 
influential. He he actually put together the Modern Lovers with uh, Jonathan Richmond. He's a hard guy to to figure out. <laughs> Jonathan. So, oh, Jonathan oh, Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to talk to him, but like I think he's sort of locked in a thing. He's yeah. a bricklayer or something. I don't know what he's doing, but it's very it's it, it there it, it's completely fitting. You know, yeah. However, he handles <laughs> yeah. his yeah, life. Right, yeah. But there's this there's not there's a little bit D- of sadness. disconnect. Yeah, yeah disconnect. <laughs> yeah. But that first record was good. Yeah. Oh no. yeah. yeah. So Danny Fields is he still alive? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a new movie about him by Brendan Toler called Danny Says. Is it a doc? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. So... I was just in London with him, uh-huh. and he spoke at the British Library. Oh really? Yeah. 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 There was a punk exhibition. Oh really? At the British Library. Right. But all that punk happened after the fucking New York punk, didn't it? Yeah, but at, at least well, the Ramones came to England on July fourth, nineteen seventy six. Yeah. And launched punk in England. That's it. The... Wasn't the Heartbreakers. Because no. like I heard that the like, Heartbreakers got the, the Malcolm thought the Heartbreakers needed. I mean, Malcolm thought the Sex Pistols needed the Heartbreakers credibility. Okay, that's why they that's because he had managed the Dolls for right. a moment there. So he called up the Heartbreakers and said, "Come tour on the Anarchy in the UK tour," and most of the tour got oh, canceled. Like, right, know? right, right. Yeah. But I talked to I'm trying to think who it was. Maybe Chrissy Hind or maybe Lemmy before he died yeah. about that tour of the Heartbreakers in England and people realizing like, oh fuck, there's this is a whole another world now. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of how to handle rock music. But the reason why we were so pissed off in New York at the English scene is they stole our scene. And the music was also really good. Yeah. So the Sex Pistols really didn't <laughs> need the heartbreak. It was just a great, right? You know. So you liked it? Yes, but grudgingly. Right. Grudgingly, you know. But it seemed like the New York scene was able to, like, there was more variety. Yes. Yes. Uh, like you know, out of a, I guess the British punk scene, you know, comes that the ska revival and some other stuff, and so, and some of the more kind of gothy lyrical bands you, you know like i guess like um well, but, yeah, yeah 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 the new york scene was really about art right and, and we it. thought punk was a funny you know it was right we thought it was humorous like haha punk yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. yeah. unlike and then, british punk and then they, when they saw the ramones and red punk magazine they took it seriously it was like you're kidding me <laughs> you know oh really it's yeah. a religion yeah yeah exactly and that there was a uh and, but you know that makes sense because of the you know the social structure yeah exactly that when yeah. you actually have a, a dialogue about class yeah, if you're given a, a manifesto yeah that can push up <laughs> against it even the old fucking aristocratic rock scene exactly they were like no it's a big fuck you to everybody yeah. oh that's cool but like you know, when I think about David Byrne and and um, and Tom Verlaine and like you know, like the the, the other thing about your book that really got me was like um, it's tricky, man. It's tricky when you, you you get older and you're sort of like uh, you missed a chunk of time. Yeah. So it's hard to like for it not to be some sort of um, a, a, not a nostalgia act, but a kind of I don't know what it is, but it. There's like that's what surprised me about that Degeneration record, and they're not as old as the Stooges, but like I'm like, man, oh, they still. <laughs> They mm-hmm. seem to mean it. Like they're not, mm-hmm. yeah. something's not resolved yet. Right, <laughs> Like, right. In, you know, with most grown-ups. I like that. Something's not resolved yet. Right. Because yeah. with most grown-ups, if they've had some success and they're known for something, they have a, a certain amount of self-worth, they're like, you don't feel the urgency anymore. Yeah. But then there are cats that are like, nah, it's still not, not good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with that. <laughs> I'm with them. I'm unresolved. I'm still unresolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's because it's not even. It's not like we're searching for anything. It's just sort of like you know something. Still something. have issues. Well, yeah. This yeah. is well. You realized a big ripoff. Like you know you. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yes. I mean it's yes, like we do. Either you're going to be sort of like, all right, I'm a grown up. I'm going to enjoy grown up things, or else you get to a certain age, you're like, this is fucking, fucking it. it. Yeah, I know. What I the know. fuck? 
Really? Exactly. We got to make it what we want to make it? <laughs> anyway. So that's yeah, punk rock. Um, President Obama talked about that articulately on this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, when yeah. he was like smoking with a leather jacket. Right. He, yeah. Yeah. And it's like sort of like I got to decide what I can do and who yeah. I am and, you know, what my limitations. Yeah. I know there's an immaturity to it. Well, we're immature, too. Yeah. So with with Lou Reed. Lou hated me. Lou hated me. <laughs> Lou hated me. Why? Um I, I don't, you don't have to answer that. I, I was, I, you know, because we walked in to see the Ramones for the first time and Lou Reed was sitting there. Yeah. And I went up to him and said, hey, we got to interview you, you know? Yeah. Holmstrom was playing, Holmstrom was playing fucking metal machine music in the punk dump all the, you know, that yeah. two album noise <laughs> yeah. driving, every, take that shit off, you know, put on Vicious, yeah. the live version. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, put on heroin, put on sweet, you know, anything but fucking metal machine Play music. Play the hits. Yeah. yeah. You know? So- um, John said, yeah, well, we went up to him too. I said, John, there's that guy you're always playing. You know, it was Lou. And um, I said, yeah, we got to interview you. You know, I just yeah. assumed like he, we didn't, know what, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and John went up to him and said, yeah, we'll even put you on the cover. And Lou Reed deadpanned, your circulation must be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> what was great about that is Holmstrom turned it into yeah. a cartoon because he asked, he asked, you know, John was a big this is for punk magazine. Yeah. yeah. And he asked him what his favorite, you know, cartoonists were. And he said, Wall's, Wally Wood and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he would draw him in the style of Wally Wood. It was yeah. very cool. It yeah, was very yeah. funny. Yeah. And Lou loved the magazine. Yeah. And, and started hanging out with John. And I remember I came out of a blackout. It was Clive Davis's birthday. And we were sitting there with Kiss, Diana Ross, yeah. and all these. And, and, and Lou, Lou was sitting there talking to Holmstrom. And I'm, yeah. I'm pulling on Holmstrom's sleeve going, Let's go downtown. Yeah. Let let's stop hanging out with these old people. You know, you know. Uh, let's go pick up chicks, yeah, man. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? What yeah. we, you know, yeah. Lou was boring. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and he got to feel that you, he, you, he would. He wouldn't even look at me, oh, and yeah. I'd be, you know, I'd be sitting right next to Holmes. I, I just got used to it. Oh yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you were the you were the nuisance. Yes, the, exactly. The, I was the kid, you're the know, attitude the, kid. Yeah, you're yeah. the fuck's that kid. Yeah, 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 right. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at the book now, I mean, like, what do you guys feel about it? I mean, in terms of, do you feel like, uh, like something's been lost? Do you think, like, in terms of what that all meant? You know, how do you frame it for yourselves, um, intellectually or emotionally now as grownups? The book? Yeah. I mean, like, just in terms of, like, being part of it. Like, well, he, was he lived it. it. Yeah. And you were you were part of the documenting of yeah, it, yeah. But do do you is part of your lack of resolution the fact that 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 as we move further away from the birth of rock and roll, everything is kind of fragmenting into content and garbage? No, I I think we're both very proud of it because even if we didn't get everything emotionally, it feels accurate to me, right? You know, and I think the great thing about the book that everyone has overlooked, thank God, yeah, and. I'll mention it now and then we'll forget about it, is that um, for the first time, history was taken out of the hands of the elite academics uh-huh. and people with a Panasonic tape recorder yeah. did it and did did it so well right. that it's undeniably well. Right. Know? And when you, in, in terms of the structure of the book, which, like I said before, resonated with me, I mean, how did you, how did you track that? How, how did you decide to involve the MC5. Who, whose decision? Legs. Yeah. Like, well, I, I just, it was, you know, it was, this happened. It makes it, sense. It's cause and effect. Right. Basically, you just follow the trail. 
And that's what yeah, you but did. When, yeah. when you got put the queer theater in theater of the ridiculous, that was pretty remarkable. Well, that, that wasn't obvious. That was yeah, but the, they we got that handed to us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what but, was that? Like I'm uh, I'm blanking. Um, the, in the book, there's everybody becomes sort of a the underground art scene was yeah. cooler than being a rock star. Right. Being For an a Andy yeah, being an Andy Warhol's pork and right. John Vaccaro and uh, Charles Ludlam that had these the theater of the ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And everybody had kind of Patty Smith had done stuff with Sam Shepard. Yeah. And David Johansson and and Wing and uh, Jane County. So it's a crossover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it, we had also the whole idea of where does glitter come from? Right. Mm -hmm. So we you know had to track where you know physically literally literally where does glitter come and and it started at the theater of the ridiculous and, oh really and there was this girl gina bone yeah who was doing something on theater and she had all these transcripts and uh -huh. she gave them to me yeah and said well, i don't know if these will help you out legs and right i was like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you know so 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 that was just from you being there and connecting the dots around that scene and how they were all feeding each other i didn't know most of this stuff we didn't know most of this we didn't know what we were doing did we no we just kind of made it up yep, as we went, went along. along well you learn you, you, you know, know it's good yeah our only agenda or mission statement was to prove that punk had started in new york Work. and not london and yeah but other than that we, we got had, the story from the participants yeah well, that was well. That was the genius of it. It was some weird mixture of like whatever created the the Warhol scene, and right. then this infusion of Detroit, right, mm -hmm. right, you know, yes. through the yes. MC Five, yeah, yeah, you know, back, and, and then Bowie coming in and producing both Lou and Iggy, you know, right, you know, and saving Iggy's life, yeah, saving over and over again. Yeah, yeah. He, he, the guy's pretty sturdy. I didn't know what the fuck to expect when he came over here. <laughs> Who, Iggy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How was he? Great. Yeah. It was very funny because, like, you know, I didn't, I don't know him. Mm. I don't know any of these people, yeah, really. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I was excited. You know, we had a tight time for some reason. But, you know, a, a, a lim one limo comes up, his publicist gets out, and he, and she's like, he's in the car behind me. And I'm like, well, how is he? Where's he at? Is he lucid? What? What? Because I don't know. Yeah. And, and even though Rollins had told me that there's a difference between Jim and Iggy. Yeah. And you know, when you talk to Jim, you're talking yeah. to a very articulate, very well. His parents were college professors. Yeah. You know. No, no, yeah. They, you know. They, but I didn't know what kind of damage he'd done. I think in your book was the first time I read about him rolling around in glass yes. and everybody yeah. going, "What the fuck?" Uh, yeah. That was the other thing. That is really. I just now it's all coming back to me too. Is that. I had not put the, the Stooges into perspective. I didn't know their story until I read your book. You know what? Either did I. <laughs> I we kept having to go back to Ann Arbor. To inter the Ashtons were great. Kathy, yeah. Ron, and Scotty. Yeah. Ron and Scotty, of course, were in the Stooges. Yeah. You know? But we kept having to go back to Ann Arbor over and over again because it was like, wait a minute, this, there's a disconnect here. Mm -hmm. We need to get this. You yeah. Know? Right. It was very frustrating. But also the thread was Danny Fields because he yeah. signed MC5 and Stooges yes. and went on to the Ramones. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the book would have worked without Danny. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, but like that whole, the connection between the MC5 and the Stooges, but also when you really think about you know the 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 attitude of New York punk rock. It sort of happens at that Iggy show in a way. Yes, 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 yes like that definitely. was yeah. That's the moment. Birth of it. That's yes. the moment punk becomes punk. Right when he cuts the glass. Right, and Alice Cooper took him to the hospital. You know, I didn't. Know yes, <laughs> yeah. It was like, hey, Jim. I think you know. <laughs> I, when when I doctor. when I first met Alice, yeah, um, he uh, he invited me into. I came out to LA and I interviewed him. Yeah, I was, you know, I was I was like, 
you know Wayne and Wayne's world. I am not worthy. Yeah, yeah. I was at some party and it turned around and said, "Legs, do you know Alice Coop? You know Alice?" Yeah, yeah. And he said, "Of course I know." Like, and I was just like, "Ah, sure." But he said to me, "You know, we were kind of faking it. <laughs> you know, we were teasing our hair and putting on our eye makeup. Right. The Stooges were really it." You know, he said, and he kept saying, "How's how's Jim? How's Iggy?" You yeah, know, I, you know, he really he really loved Iggy. Well, well and, Alice is another guy that, like, with the connection of uh, you know through Zappa and through whatever, however he came to be. Like, I just listened to one of the old records today because I was supposed to interview him. It didn't happen, but that you know, he he, he was a real deal art rock guy. I yeah, mean, like, oh, you know, he and was, he's he's if you listen to his radio show, yeah, he he knows every. Thing but he, about rock and right, roll. but he's you know, a real he fucking who, artist. Those yeah, early yeah, records yeah, are yeah. fucking out there. I know they're great. They're great. <laughs> oh, so but anyway. so is Love It to Death and Killer and School's Out and Oh yeah, yeah, Billion Dollar Babies. Sure, okay. You know, no, it's know. not just the Zappa stuff. You snob, oh, Mark no, no. Maron. You snob. Well, I just associate him as sort of a theatrical hit maker. You know, yeah. and I didn't really know the the old records. Mm-hmm. So like you know, because those records, like well, go 18, back and listen to your Love It to Death, your okay. Killer, and your School's Out. I will. Okay, I'm not a killer. Being a snob. Okay, I just I was. Wasn't an Alice Cooper fan. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. That was it, like because I come. I'm late to the party with everything. I mean, I grew up. The only access I had to weird music was this guy who worked at the record store next to the bagel place it's, I worked at in high school. It's always a guy at the record store. Of course, store, it you is. know. And he, he uh, we've gotten so many people. Like he wrote down uh, the, the woman who wrote something in bus. She said that the guy wrote down, "Please kill me." on oh, a piece of paper and gave it to her and said, yeah, go, go get this. Go read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, what, yeah, I do that yeah, to people yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's why I don't me, have yeah. my fucking copy. Yeah. <laughs> but, he t- but he turned me on to fucking art music like um, Eno, The Residents, Fred Frith, right. John Hassel. Yeah. Yeah. So like I took, I ju- you know, Robert yeah. Fripp, right. I jumped yeah. a step. Yeah. Like I missed, I don't, like I still can't listen to Kim, King Crimson, but I knew yeah, who Fripp was. Yeah, right. And I exactly, knew, like, yeah. So I missed the, the punk part of it, but I was off into this other fucking world. But anyway, so Iggy, so the publicist comes, then Iggy comes up and he gets out of the car and, he, and then he's got this tall woman with him, very tall. And I walk up to him. I'm nervous. And yeah. I, you know, he's yeah. one of the guys that makes me nervous. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'm like, uh, you need anything? You know, do, you know, I'll meet him at the bottom of the driveway. Do you need water or something? He's like, he goes, I need to uh, to refresh. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what that implies, <laughs> yeah. what that entails. <laughs> you know, but, so then he comes up and there, there's a bunch of them, yeah. you know, people with yeah. him and they're out there on the deck. And I'm like, well, we're going to go in there. He's like, all right. And then he just takes his shirt off and starts doing some weird Tai Chi-ish <laughs> looking things. He goes, let's go. <laughs> so he sat there shirtless yeah. and, and did the Iggy thing. But he was so fucking, his memory's tight, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, he knows everything. Some dudes him. are just genetically... He's so articulate. He's able so to, articulate. But he didn't shatter the shit. Like, there's so many brain-dead motherfuckers yeah. around, and you're just like, his is not, it's not. It's almost yeah, like it's when incredible. he's, like, the difference between Iggy and Jim is, like, two different bodies. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about being nervous yeah. during the Iggy interview, you should talk to Jillian. Oh, I would have. Oh, we just met at Diva Birdies. He suggested it. A little, when was this? Uh, well, on, the book? on First four. Avenue, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Four. And um, he came in with this celery green shirt, kind of yeah. unbuttoned to his belly button, and you see could see the scars. scars. You could see the you could see the Max's scars. Yeah, yeah, and and I, from the glass. But yeah, I'd never had a crush on Iggy, but in person it was like I just didn't. I it hadn't registered how good looking he is. <laughs> yeah. It was like whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then legs keeps leaving to have a cigarette, and I'm like, no, stay. (laughs) She was tongue tied. I'm going to (laughs) undress. If you leave, I'm going to do something weird. (laughs) 
Well, that, I think that like that Iggy thing is like, you know, when you talk to these old British cats about, you know, like I just realized it in talking to you that like I've talked to, who have I talked to? Like Terry Reed, Richard Thompson, Lemmy. Um, is there anyone who was like, I don't know if Lemmy was there, but. John that, Cale. Well, no, I talked to John Cale, yeah, but yeah. but I'm talking about that that night that Jimi Hendrix played that show uh-huh. yeah. in England. Yeah. Because of what's his name, his manager, the keyboarder from the from the animals, right. had set up that show and invited all those motherfuckers. Yeah, and it just it changed music because yeah. all those cats, all those blues dudes, and all you know, clapped in the yeah. Who, yeah. Zeppelin. They were they were all part of. They're all sort of around. Yeah. yeah. So now they got to go see the new guy, yeah. and it, it was just sort of like, what the fuck just happened? And music changed forever. Yeah. Terry Reed told the best story. He's at that gig, and he said he always went to that that pub anyway. So he's in the back, and so everyone's there. You know, like all the you know everyone Page, yeah. you know. Clap, they're all there, and he said the music. You know, he opened with Wild Thing and just turned it inside out. And then out of the crowd, Brian Jones comes. You know, he's like sweating and he's coming out of the crowd. And he walks up to Terry Reed and he says, "It's it's horrible up there, the flooding." And Terry Reed's like, "What are you talking about? It's like the water. It's like it's 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 horrible." And and Terry Reed's like, "What are you talking about? It's like all the guitar players are crying." Because <laughs> like Brian, Brian is one of those guys, Brian Jones, where you don't you don't really have a sense of a personality. No, yeah. you don't. Because you just know that he was just like you know maybe a genius, druggy you know right. guy who whatever. But like to to know that he was that witty made me very happy. Mm. Yeah. Who did you find when you guys were who who was like the funniest, most kind of like uh, provocative you know raconteur of the of the crew that you dealt with? Lee Childers was one of them. Which who's he? He was a, a photographer. And photographer, he, and yeah. he took. He lived with Iggy in the Hollywood Hills. The Remember story? him? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? The I forget. That's from your book. Where, yeah. Where the Larry the Stooge from the Three Stooges. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which Is which this... Stooge went over to visit Larry? Uh, um, uh, Ron Ashton. Ron, Ron Ashton. Yeah. Would go visit Larry. Yeah. Yes. Isn't, that, isn't that the sweetest story? It's the greatest story because yeah, it's so odd. I know. Yeah. I know. And he was writing, and the doctor said to Ronnie. We're so glad you come to visit. It was Larry, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It was Larry, Larry from the three, Larry Fine from the three, three Stooges. He'd go to the old folks, the yeah. celebrity old folks home and, and visit talk. him regularly. Yeah. But he had had a stroke and, yeah. and he, before Ronnie started visiting him, yeah. he couldn't really speak. Right. And then um, Ronnie, through talking to Ronnie, he, 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 Started talking, talking again. Yeah. yeah. So this that, is. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So what is that? 71, 69, which was 71? They were in the house somewhere no, in there? No, 73, 74, yeah. So they're running this house. Yeah. They're partying. Yeah. And what compels Ron Ashton to go over to, to see Larry? Stooge fan. Well, because he would he would say. Obsessed with the Stooge. Is obsessed. that why they named it? Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was the one who was obsessed with yes, Probably, yeah, 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 he was. It's yeah. so beautiful that they're leaving this party <laughs> yeah. mansion mm-hmm. yeah. where they're just squandering <laughs> their record deal money or whatever the fuck is happening. And he's going over there. It was so but sweet. But that, that's well, Ronnie's whole thing. Such degradation. degradation. Yeah. Remember? He says that over and over. We used to call each other. <laughs> we would talk in the language of the book. So I would just call Jillian up and go, she'd go, hello. And i go, such degradation. <laughs> <laughs> so who are the bands like, you know, obviously this whole scene, you know, you know, kind of spawned, you know, modern rock and roll in a lot of ways. You yeah. know, this and yeah. the, whatever the British the British scene was scene was doing. But but the bands that really that that still exist out of it or that really became huge were who like when you think about it? like well talking no, heads, no, no, no no one no one in the book no one in the that's why jillian i kept saying she kept saying this book's gonna sell i said no, i it's didn't not. i thought people would like it 
Oh, the yeah. great thing about the book is you don't have to give a shit about any of it. Exactly. And, and that, like, you know, when you get into it, you're like, what? There's always these guys, you know, that, that like, are, like, standing behind any genius yes. going, yes. like, that yes. motherfucker exactly. stole my shit. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> they, like, yeah. if there's a genius, there's a bitter guy. Yes. Right. yes. yes. Like, you yeah. know, Ramblin' Jack and yeah. Bob Dylan yeah. right. like, yeah. and Joe Antis yeah. and Lenny Bruce. Yeah, yeah. But I always felt like Tom, like, there's no David Byrne without Tom Berlain, like, guitar-wise. That's, I, for some reason, I thought that. You don't have to confirm it or not. Mm. But... That Berlain was the bitter guy not the bitter guy but the guy like clearly david took it in because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i don't know what the timeline is but you know if you listen to marky moon like in, and you listen to his guitar playing it's amazing yeah. i mean it's like fucking astounding yeah and like there were guys that like came out of that and and obviously they're geniuses and were able to to move into other worlds you know no one's get stuck the guys who really make a an imprint a lot of times are the ones that can evolve but it seemed to me that that David was, and I talked to him, was a bit of a a, a sponge hmm. and absorbed a lot of stuff. Yeah. And but like obviously a, a real fucking genius. Mm-hmm. But did, were you there for their? You saw them early on. I saw them the second. I went to see the Ramones. We interviewed Lou Reed. I went back to CBS. I said this place is great. I'm going back. I went back by myself and saw the Talking Heads the next night as a three piece, and they were great. Like 76, 77? 75. Really? Yeah. When they were three pieces, I can't imagine that fucking place because I was in. I were the talking heads, and the next one's called (laughs) One Two Three Red Light. Yeah, and it was, but they were so different, right? Everything was so fucking different. Well, it was, it was so accessible. That's what was. That's there was no, there was no velvet ropes. There was no bodyguards. There was no security. There was none of this crap that there is today. And you mean all the music was so different? Yeah, Yeah, it's incredible that it'd be all paired together in one. Well, that's why we thought punk because. Yeah, it was just wacky. an attitude. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I didn't realize that the New York Dolls were really before everybody mm. on that scene. Oh yeah, the do- the Dolls were already rock stars, right? You know, in well, that scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Johansson and Johnny Thunders—they were already, you know, they figured it out. Yeah, they figured out how to hot rod what was left of the '60s yes. into something fucking new and wild. Yeah. And they were fun hanging yeah. out with David Johansson. It's like a burlesque show almost. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like a fun guy. Yeah. Do you still talk to him, Johansson, or what? No. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I've only met him once. I, I don't know no. him. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> no, D- David kind of turned bitter after he got sober. Oh, which yeah? happens to a lot of people, as you know. Really, it's supposed to go the other way. If yeah, you, I know. If you I work know. it right. Yeah, yeah. 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 If you work it yeah, right. right. Yeah. You do the work. You do the you're work. supposed to uh, be happy, joyous, and free, they say. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, I think we have a girlfriend and his wife. I used to date. Oh, that doesn't. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah, have yeah. That stuff going on. Well, you know, as you get older, and you know, if you're untethered for long enough, you got a lot of Eskimo brothers out there. Yes, Eskimo <laughs> brothers. I love that. I have, I have many Eskimo brothers. <laughs> kind of surprising it's kind of surprising you're like oh you did oh shit so i guess we're attached somehow but you know what i have to say something yeah you know, my best friend who who runs our website tom hearn mm-hmm. goes you know mark maron's always referencing please kill me you should i said we're on this tour <laughs> yeah and i said well call the office you know yeah. we have this publicity guy yeah jonathan martyr i said call the office you suggested i'm you know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. tired of the yeah, bullshit. Yeah. So we did, and then you said yes. So yeah. it was kind of like, oh, this is that'll be fun. I tell you, I mean, I'm glad that I got the email. So mm-hmm. thank him for me. I will. Thanks for talking Thanks, to me. Thanks, Tommy. Oh, fun. Thanks, Tommy. And uh, and like, yeah, I love the book, and I hope it, it it'll live forever. It's an important book. Oh, yeah. And a fun book, yeah. and uh, it's a it's a brain blower. 
you know, historically and just musically, because there's so many people that there's so much stuff out there that, you know, no one can put anything into context and a lot of things get missed. Right. And it's one of those books where not unlike any book on music of the past that if it's not mainstream, you're li- and this is what happened to me is that me- there's no late to the party with music because it exists forever. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, when you enter the world, yeah. you know, it's all new. And it, t- that's the experience I had with them. Like, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> Either did we. <laughs> and it's fucking, it changed everything, you know, yeah. like, and now, like, there's a lot of stuff I listen to and there's a lot of stuff I can source and, and reference now that, and, and also just the experience of listening to that music. I just, did you get that fucking Orc record set no, from Numero? No. Is it good? Holy fuck really it's so good i gave him our terry ork interview for that you did what we, oh you do we for the, the box only, we had the only terry that's when jillian came up with the title yes because we we went to san diego terry had been just uh, gotten out of jail he had just gotten out of jail he's the guy from work records yes he was terry ork he's not alive anymore no no oh. and he died very soon after that well what was the story with that label well he was putting he put out piss factory patty uh, smith patty smith um, he put out blank generation yeah. which is the best version of the blank i have Gener- it yeah and he put he put out tons of stuff he you know he was a little gay guy who you know you knew terry you yeah know, terry he was, was great terry was great yeah you know yeah and he'd always buy a beer yeah and terry buy me beer. <laughs> come on terry you got it <laughs> now go away legs you know <laughs> he was great yeah. um and um these guys in chicago um what, 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 who, who i don't they? know nice guys i nice can't guys. remember their yeah. names they they uh, told me and we have the only terry ork interview we did him for a few hours, few hours yeah. yeah it was interesting because he'd also been involved he was older yeah so he'd been involved in like the southern california lsd scene oh, and the right. brotherhood and then, of internal and then came to new york and, for the warhol scene too right yeah yeah he was a zealot too yeah well because he i think there's some alex chilton on there and that period yes, of chilton yes, exactly. is sort of an interesting yeah. period mm-hmm. yeah and there's some, like a lot of Richard Hell and some Verlaine and yeah, I think um, Cheetah Chrome maybe is on there. Yes, a bit. yes, yes. But yes. it's like the product, the va- the the sound of it I think was very important. That yeah. it was is clean. It was you know the production was like really let the the music be. Yeah. yeah. And it was really it's a yeah. great fucking box, yeah. dude. And you can get it on vinyl. Also, there's for some reason I associate you not not necessarily in friendship, but uh, you know I interviewed Tasha's. Oh, oh yeah, Nick, yeah. He, he introduced me and my husband. Nick did. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's something. He's yeah, something. He is great. He is so smart. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, and I he was one. He I was nervous about that. Yeah, I would be too. Because he's hard. He's not an easy access. No, and he's hard to find. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I was in New York and I had to, you know you got to track him down yeah, through this email address. Yeah. You don't know if he's going to show up, <laughs> and then he comes and it's like this little guy. Yeah. And you get him going if you get him if you get him worked up, which doesn't take much. Yeah. He'll go. Yeah. Yeah, I got to read that. There's a new book I want to read. I, the Jesus book I got to read. Yeah, yeah I haven't read that yet. Uh, well, there's that's another like between Please Kill Me and fucking um, Dino. Oh, oh yeah, Dino, Dino, what a great, great book. book. Yeah. It's a fucking great book. Yeah, great book. Oh, well, I read the, the Jerry Lee Lewis, the Hellfire oh, yeah, book. Hellfire. The Sonny Liston book Hellfire. is great. I think Hellfire is the best rock and roll book ever written. I think it might be right. It's almost like this prayer. Yeah, it's yeah, a prayer. prayer. And it's also prayer. there's a battle between good and evil. He's first cousin with Jerry Falwell. So you yeah, have this, I know. But he show, Yeah, but he also shows up at Elvis Presley's and is drunk and smashes into the, the front gate, gate and goes, yeah. you're not the king. Yeah. I'm the king. Uh, Fuck you. Oh, you know? I got to reread that. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right. Well, well, good luck with the the resurrection. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I want a copy. Okay. Oh, yeah. We we'll send, send you one. one. Okay. All right. Okay. Deal. All right.
All right. You can go listen to some punk rock records. Get energized. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I enjoy talking to them. He's <laughs> I like old guys that still smoke. I don't know why. It's not smart, but I do. It's not smart to do it, but uh, that's the way you want to go out. Do it, I guess. Anyway, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Uh, I will play guitar for those of you who are horribly disappointed. Uh, next time, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go act, as we all do. Boomer lives. <laughs>